everyone. Welcome to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. I'm Oge Chibo. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone, both in and out of the field of public health. So for today's episode, I sat down with Abby Lee, who is a PhD student at the College of Public Health here at the University of Iowa. We spoke about her journey so far and projects she has undertaken surrounding sexual and reproductive health in the field of maternal and child health. Before we get into this episode, on Tuesday, September 22nd at 7 p.m., there will be a virtual lecture hosting Nicole Hannah-Jones titled In Conversation About 1619 and the Legacy That Built a Nation. Nicole Hannah-Jones is a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter covering racial injustice for the New York Times Magazine and creator of the landmark 1619 Project. Details about how to view the lecture will be available at lectures.uiowa.edu. That is l-e-c-t-u-r-e-s dot u-i-o-w-a dot e-d-u as the date gets closer to September 22nd. So look out for the website to see information about this virtual lecture. So this lecture actually sounds super fun and I hope you enjoy it. So now let's get into this week's podcast. So hello, welcome to From the Front Row. So today I have Abby Lee with me. Hi, Abby. Hi there, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, how are you? I'm also doing pretty well. (laughs) Right, so our first question, um, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Abby Lee, and I'm a first year PhD student in the Department of Community and Behavioral Health here at the College of Public Health. I just recently finished my Master of Public Health here, uh, also in the Department of Community and Behavioral Health. Prior to coming back to graduate school for my Master's of Public Health, I had gone to University of Northern Iowa. I had actually trained in disciplines that I had not uh, ever kind of anticipated uh, crossing with public health, and, and really they, they didn't. But after I went to, after I graduated from my undergraduate experience, I decided that my preference was to go into the workforce for a while, and I did that. I became a wet bench research associate for a diabetes lab um, here at the Carver College of Medicine. And while I was doing that, I think that I just kind of recognized that I had been doing interesting things that I, you know, felt comfortable with and I was learning from. It's not that that wasn't the case, but I was also learning that it just wasn't the right thing for me, that there was a lot of um, elements of my personal interests, a lot of elements of uh, what I valued that were not being fulfilled. And I had a lot of interest in in moving forward and maybe trying to transition. So it was at that point that I continued working as a researcher, but I got involved with United Action for Youth in Iowa City. I'm originally from Iowa City. It was an organization that I grew up uh, being around, grew up spending time in their space and seeing their services and seeing what they do for young people. Um, And so I actually did kind of like an internship with them, learning about about those services, about what direct service looks like. And um, 
what sexual health education looks like. And that really started to make me realize that um, something like public health is where I wanted to be. And so I decided I was going to come back to graduate school and here I've been since. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> hey, that's nice. It's nice to hear that you've actually been around and, you know, you try to dabble in different things, kind of like an evidence-based um, kind of project to see what fits and doesn't fit for you. As you said right now, you just joined the PhD program from MPH. How has that change been? It's just been a couple of weeks into the semester. How do you feel about the transition, especially since it's a very unique semester we're having? It's been a really interesting experience. Um, And I think that that's the case for a lot of people. I certainly don't want to single myself out. It's a whole new set of challenges that we are faced with every day in some of our most minute decision-making to some of our biggest decision-making. And so um, I decided to apply for this program and um, join this program before anything started. Mm -hmm. And I had a very, I think a very concrete idea in my mind of what the transition would feel like, you know, some of the circumstances that would surround that transition. And of course that's, you know, not the case. I don't think anybody <laughs> can look back on on where we were maybe in uh, December, uh, December or February, yeah. and then, you know, predict where we are now. So I think something that I've had to uh, kind of handle is the fact that, like many things, my expectations and my reality mm-hmm. don't align. Mm-hmm. And so trying to kind of find new things to focus on trying to create kind of the newness of experience again for myself, uh, that I am a new student in a new program, but then also really try to attach to some of the projects that I have been working on and um, continue kind of that excitement through those. Yeah, I think that something that folks uh, don't think about sometimes when they are approaching a, a new experience like this is how much like a definite start moment kind of can propel some of your motivation. Mm -hmm. And so because there's been a lot of monotony in the human experience, as far as uh, the spaces you inhabit and the people you see and stuff like that, uh, you have to kind of create your own, your own motivation. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to be back. I'm really glad to be learning again. I feel really great about continuing to see the the people and the mentors that bring a, a huge amount of joy to my life. So I'm just uh, hoping to to have a good year nonetheless. Oh, great. Me too. I hope that. I hope you can accomplish all this. <laughs> Thanks. All right. I hope that for everyone. <laughs> yes. So we, rec- we recently had an episode with Dr. Story and Dr. Rickman where we talked about maternal and child health and the projects they're working on. So Dr. Story briefly spoke about the global health work you did with him in Kenya. So from a student's perspective, could you tell us more about that? When I started my MPH program, actually, um, the Department of Community and Behavioral Health at their orientation, they do something that I think is really cool, um, which is they host a speed networking event for their their incoming students with their faculty. And so they have a, we actually, when we were in person, we actually sat at different tables and we'd have a, you know, five minute timer and two of us would match with two faculty and we would move around and get to know each other. And um, it was during 
that situation that I, I kind of put little stars by people that I felt like my interest really aligned with. And um, Dr. Story was one of them. And <laughs> I, I remember this fondly. I don't know if he really thinks about this, but basically after that point, I just kind of kept, I kept showing up. I kept saying, you know, these are the things that I think about. These are the things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate you and what you're interested in. Can we talk? And we would talk for um, a majority of that first semester of school. And I think that it was at that point that we really started to recognize the potential for a really interesting collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also during that fall 2018 that one of his really close collaborators, uh, longtime collaborators from Kenya, Dr. Nema Aluku came to visit and to give a presentation on some of her um, her own PhD work regarding stigma around HIV in, mm-hmm. in Kenya. And um, we had a chance to meet and to talk and to have more in-depth conversation. And it was really uh, after that, that the three of us started having uh, conversations about what, what were potential, what were pro- potential needs that Dr. Aluku was really seeing in um, certain areas of Kenya regarding the well-being of, of particularly young women, reg- you know, in, in relation to some of their um, sexual and reproductive experiences. Mm-hmm. So we worked with uh, Gynocare Women's and Fistula Hospital, which I believe Dr. Story mentioned, it is one of the kind of very upstanding premier specialty hospitals for women's health and um, obstetric fistula repair in the country of Kenya. And we just came up with a, a really, a really amazing, really committed and excited and motivated research group that was dedicated to trying to understand the lived experiences mm-hmm. of young women who had become pregnant, unintentionally pregnant before 18. Mm-hmm. We learned a lot during that. I think that his, Dr. Story's, uh, lesson learned that he, he thought that he had understood, but, you know, later found out he didn't, was that um, young marriage was contributing to a lot of these young pregnancies and then kind of challenging, uh, not kind of, extremely challenging um, physical uh, outcomes for young women. And really when we got there, it was an amazing experience. There was actually a day that when we first arrived at the hospital mm-hmm. and our um, research team were were social workers from the hospital, and we had um, clinicians and nurses come in and, and sit down with us and really talk through the project and where we were at that point mm-hmm. and some of the research tools that we had created and say, okay, so this is this captures what's actually happening and this doesn't. We need to process through it. And we workshopped for two whole days um, mm-hmm. to get to a point that really was going to do a better job of understanding and, and helping us continue to understand some of the experiences of, of the young women and girls. So I would say that moment in particular, that workshopping, that collaboration um, and co-learning mm-hmm. was a really big moment of the, the research experience. And then after that, I spent time you know, in, in Kenya for the remainder of, for, for a month, uh, last summer in 2019, um, sitting and listening to stories of young women 
who were willing to share with us um, some of their experiences that we really found were much more related to how they felt about pregnancy and um, their relationships with their families and how those relationships changed um, experiences with stigma. And uh, it was uh, very eye-opening in a lot of ways, but then also I think really re-guided, which, you know, I think discovery is supposed to do, re-guided uh, what we were trying to accomplish. And then the subsequent, um, the subsequent program that we're trying to uh, employ around um, sexual health education and communication skills, especially between young women and families in their families, um, because we really heard what was happening. We listened and heard what was happening and didn't uh, walk away with, with assumptions about that. So, yep. right. yeah, that's one thing I love about public health. Like really trying to like, you know, get in there, monitor health, not just assume, but actually get yeah facts from the people who are experiencing these things. So was the aim of the project to reduce um, teenage pregnancy in girls in Kenya? Like the so, unintended pregnancies? So the original aim of the, the project, and I think the continued aim of the project, um, is yes, to understand the context that young women are existing in, in the, in the experiences that they have related to young pregnancy, mm -hmm. which make it challenging for them to thrive and to achieve what they personally desire to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. And on the onset of the pro of the project, mm -hmm. um, we went in believing that we were going to be focusing, exploring, it was an exploratory uh, study initially, mm -hmm experiences with obstetric fistula, which, which we did. We, we heard those experiences as well. And those are also extremely intimate, sensitive experiences that um, create a lot of trauma because there is a lot of stigma around um, this obstetric, obstetric fistula um, condition. But uh, it, it evolved from there. And I think that really getting to a point where young women can thrive and can feel like they they define what thriving means and that they don't have to surmount um, challenges to accomplish that. Yeah, I feel like it all boils down then to empowerment in a way too. What influenced your decision to partake in this project? I mean, you kind of talked about it already in the beginning when we were talking about your interest, but um, what do you think was the most important takeaway from your work in Kenya? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that for, for myself, uh, just briefly going back to my interests, I, I came into the MPH program that I started with a pretty rigid concept of my interest in sexual and reproductive health. Mm -hmm. And I have really realized that that umbrella covers and encompasses so many things that maybe I wasn't as, maybe my, my lens wasn't as attuned mm -hmm. to how deep and how wide the, the area of sexual and reproductive health is. And I, I include things like maternal child health in there. Mm -hmm. And while I, I care very deeply about the, the child aspect of maternal child health, there's something about the maternal health and the lived experience of 
people who become pregnant and who have have struggles or challenges with that that is interesting in the stigma aspect and so I think that what I walked away from Kenya with was kind of twofold um, first my most important experience was my my opportunity to to meet people and to hear people and to think about my position as a, a translator of information um, and what an imp- what what a huge responsibility that is and mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I I really have valued ever since is like what a huge responsibility it is to be um, a person who does research in a in a truly conscience moral ethical values based justice based way mm-hmm. and I think about that a lot Um, And then I think the other part of that is just how much wider my net, my concept of um, well-being associated with sexual and reproductive health is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I've walked away with a lot more interest in not just the direct outcomes that we sometimes think about with sexual and reproductive health, Mm -hmm. pregnancy, STIs, you know, specific education to that, but the, I mean, just the network, how much reach our experiences Mm -hmm. with sexual and reproductive health have on the rest of our wellness Mm -hmm. and how we might not really recognize that, um, how, how far it can really grasp. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are two big lessons that I walked away from and that I continue to have a lot of questions about and I think about a lot and Mm -hmm. I don't have early answers to, but I'm still kind of trying to, to get. Wow. Wow. That sounds really, really like, I don't know. That just sounds like a big win. Like just sitting here, I wish I could have that experience. (laughs) I could have that epiphany too. Um, so was this your first time in Africa? going to Kenya? Yes. Yes, it was. How did you like that? Oh, I loved it. I think that, I don't know, I I have spent some time traveling. I have felt very fortunate to have some opportunities to, to travel, but I think that um, uh, something that I have never experienced before is the extremely genuine, caring hospitality that that um, I experienced in Kenya and the way that people view the, the value of the whole person. Mm. Um, it's just a really, it's a really different experience than I'd had before. And um, it definitely like made me question a lot of, uh, a lot of American values. I mean, cause I think that we're like, we're definitely positioned in the world as like, I don't know, like with the American dream and this idea of, of our power and, and success and success. Yeah. yeah. I will say in Africa, we're very, very community based, yes. like how to, you know, make sure everyone is good. Like your whole community is like a family. Even if we aren't related, you're still family and I will take care of you and I have your back. They yes. Support. And we also have, we're also good at welcoming um, foreigners or strangers into our like our nest I guess or into our community and make you feel like it's part of your home 
I would say that's a strength. Like that's one thing about home that oh. I love. I'm just like, yes. And then you come to America and everyone is more like, oh, you know, like do your thing. We're all trying to reach the top kind of like individual. Oh yeah. Well, and so like that goes back to, I, so I think that like the, for me, just like the people, the people, the people, the people mm-hmm. are kind of like this, this theme in my life as to like what is really important to me and also relationships. Like I have a lot of interest in relationships and like what role they play in our lives. Um, not just like intimate, you know, romantic partner relationships, but all sorts of relationships. And so that was something about Kenya that I just loved and that I think that like it has definitely restructured my idea of like what success is. And I, and I, I don't necessarily know that like the, the, the rat race of like success and like competitiveness mm-hmm. is like something that I have, have valued, but I think that like, it's just underlying of mm-hmm. this kind of individualistic American experience. Mm-hmm. And I, seeing something else that valued community and caring for one another and collectivism so much um, is something that like once you see it you you definitely also question the structures that you that you live in and like what you accept as normal in your culture and the fact that it probably is like kind of damaging sometimes to be as individualistic as we are in the United States Mm -hmm. yeah all right great Nice to hear you had a very (laughs) nice time. So just kind of going back to your PhD, I guess. So what are your goals with your PhD here at the university? Like, and what are your hopes for the future? So your aspirations and maybe even how does your experience, your past experiences kind of tie into what you want to study during this time Mm -hmm. and where you hope to go? From here. One thing that I will say is um, I am starting the, this PhD program with, I think, a lot of um, conviction and, and determination that um, is not necessarily a, absolutely attached mm-hmm. to an end goal yet. Mm-hmm. And um, that might be a little different than a lot of PhD experiences. Um, something that I'm kind of trying to to work with in myself is the fact that like traditionally, um, particularly for folks that have gone through the PhD process in previous generations, there's this like really rigid idea of like what comes next, mm-hmm. um, which often includes like becoming an academic faculty member. And I don't know enough about myself yet to say that that is where I will be my best version of myself where I will do the best work in this field. And so there's a lot of discovery that still needs to happen Mm -hmm. um, in myself. So I I know that's like a really vague answer and I don't mean to to be vague, Honestly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but um, I think what I really want to do is to dedicate this time to being really intentional Mm -hmm. to if I have big discovery questions, not just about like public health 
and the work that we do there, but about myself and like my perspective on how I do this work. I want to be really intentional about learning why I think that way, or maybe the fact that I might need to shift my lens, I might need to shift my perspective and be really intentional about that to, to do good work, to not do harm, to move the field forward. And so that's definitely a goal is continuing to be purposeful and to work hard at that. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, what I, I hope to do in the future is to consistently feel that I am a trustworthy partner, um, a trustworthy um, and skilled, reliable leader, if I am in the leadership role, whether that's uh, actual um, kind of hierarchical leadership or, or leading from within, mm-hmm. but that I'm, I'm a reliable person that people know and, and has a diverse network and truly works with communities to whether I'm doing like the actual methodological community-based participatory research or not, mm-hmm. that it's not a, a question whether or not I value the people that I'm working with and the communities that I'm working with and that their voices and their perspectives very clearly come through um, with whatever work I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So whether that is in a public sector, in a private sector, in an academic sector, those are, those are things that I think will, will come out along the way. But right now <clears throat> I'm kind of, my aspirations are to develop values that I don't, I don't have to ever question um, the, the work that I do and if it's related to my values and if it might hurt someone, that I'm going to be as honest as I can with myself and in the work that I do and that that will produce work that, again, kind of re, revitalizes this idea of thriving mm-hmm. as an end goal of quality of life as a goal um, and of people defining their, their own, their own futures that, um, that are, are healthy and happy futures. Wow. Thank you. I, I honestly feel so inspired right now. I'm like, Oh wow. I need to you know, get my life together and <laughs> intentional. Oh wow. But yes, thank you so much for that. Okay. So I'm going to kind of like shift gears. We usually yeah. ask um, two questions. We ask everyone who comes on the pod. So I'm at the last two questions, I promise. What is one thing you thought you knew, but later realized you were wrong about? Yeah, so I thought about this one a lot. I have two ideas. One is like partially baked. It's like a half-baked idea that I'm still learning about. So mm-hmm. just I'll quickly say that I think, especially um, in my training as a, sexual health educator, I thought I knew what comprehensive sex ed was. And, and I still think I do. It's not because I don't want to put out like a potentially harmful claim that like comprehensive sex ed doesn't include all the things that advocates of, of sex education put out there. I, I just think that my continued experience it just continues to, to widen what comprehensive sex ed includes. So that's kind of related to my interests. But um, something that I, I like to to say uh, because it's also really important to the current space that I'm in right now, and it goes back to 
my um, orientation, my actual graduate college at, uh, here at the University of Iowa orientation, which was there was a, a speaker, a keynote speaker that came to that orientation. And I, I used to quote them directly. Um, of course, I've kind of forgotten the exact wording of that, but it was just so impactful. And I actually think it relates to a lot of what we've talked about a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. which was that graduate school is going to be really competitive. Mm-hmm. It's You're going to just be constantly going up against these other people that are in your classes and et cetera, et cetera. And like, that's what it's going to be like, is just constantly trying to beat people out. And um, that was actually really scary for me. Uh, that's what I anticipated going to grad school. And then, unfortunately, I think that that's probably the experience of a number of people who are in graduate school. But the individual that was speaking said, your peers are your collaborators, are your confidants, are your colleagues, mm-hmm. not your competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that completely changed the, the, my, my view of what graduate school mm-hmm. um, should be, not just was going to be, but should be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think that that, it, it, just, it just completely turned on its head um, this concept that academia has to be this place that is very combative instead of like what it's actually supposed to be for, which is the the co-learning and co-creating of knowledge and stuff like that. So that is something that I thought I knew, but later found out I was wrong about. And it was actually my lived experience then that um, I've had a really collaborative and friendly um, and encouraging experience here instead of one that focused on competition. All right, thanks for sharing. What is something outside the realm of public health that you're passionate about? Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's really funny because you have to like really take a step back to be like, okay, what part of myself am I channeling right now? Yeah. Um, So I mentioned relationships and I think that like, yes, that's a passion that I have in public health, but it's a passion that I've had for like a long time elsewhere in my life. And I just don't think that I realized it. Uh, I think that it's apparent in my like consumption of media, mm-hmm. whether it's like high quality television and movies or like trashy television and movies, mm-hmm. books, um, documentaries. There's something about relationships that I just like can't get enough of. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're so complex and so, I don't know, so fascinating. And so I think that uh, that's a, a theme that I see in a lot of where I spend my time, but also music. I actually trained to, originally I went to, uh, to school to be, a, uh, to be a high school orchestra director. And I play violin and I have since I was five and I still do. I play in local community groups and them not meeting right now during the pandemic yeah. um, has been challenging because it's where I find a lot of community and it's something I really appreciate. Wow. All right. Thanks for sharing. That's definitely really interesting, especially the ones on relationships, because I too have been thinking about that, especially maybe, I guess I'll say love, like kind of like thinking about that word and what it means and like the power of it is just something I find myself to like just kind of drifting away and thinking about a lot of times 
But yeah, all right. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for coming onto the podcast this week. Um, this was a really, really interesting conversation. That I'm sure our listeners would enjoy. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time. And thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you. That's all we have for you this week. You can find us on Facebook at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. We're on iTunes and Spotify as well as the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Let us know what you thought about this episode and series at cphgradambassador at uiowa.edu. That is cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode of From the Front Row was hosted and written by Oge Chibo. It was edited and produced by Steve Saunier. Thank you to our guest, Abili, for coming on the pod this week. I hope you guys actually really enjoyed it as much as I did. This week, this podcast is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. See you next week. Happy social distancing. Stay safe and remember to have that uncomfortable conversation. I will see you guys later. Bye.